0: I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching to an empty auditorium. I do have two men on camera, and Mike's back here running the board. With this coronavirus going like this, we we're uh, going to take our time getting back together in a in a group, but. Uh, I'm teaching to you on the coronavirus. Why it's here. It's here because of all the false doctrine that's going on in America. And the the false doctrine is running rampant. The coronavirus virus is here because God says, if you change my word if you add to it or take away, you're going to be found to be a liar there in Proverbs, the 30th chapter. And it's because of all the false doctrine that's going on. When you look at that Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, this has been more or less a base chapter for this message this chapter says if you keep my statutes and my commandments and my commandments you'll be able to your, all your fields will be full of, of crops fields full of crops your basket and your store will be full. That means when you go out to gather out of the garden or out of the field, you'll have more than you can possibly eat. Your basket and your storehouses will have will be running over storehouses. And he said, you'll win, you'll be constantly win. This is very important that you win. If you go after any other gods, you won't win anymore. He says in the first part of that chapter that if you keep my statutes and commandments, you'll go against your enemy one way, one way, and they'll flee seven ways, seven ways. You really need to understand that because that very statement there makes Israel the heavens. If you look at the heavens, what that is saying is you will be the government of the world. And heavens, when you look up heavens in the and Strong, it will tell you that heavens means governments or kingdoms. Government or kingdoms. And that heavens, and you need to remember this, because Israel was the heavens because they were winning due to this promise right here. You keep my statutes, commandments, you'll be the heavens. Your enemy will flee seven ways from you. And it doesn't matter how great the army is. Israel attacked Ben-Hadad's army of Syria out on the plains one time, and Syria had like a hundred and twenty to hundred and thirty thousand men in their army, and Israel had seven thousand men, and Israel, as the old saying goes, beat the tar out of them. This happened many times. It happened. That was in the twentieth chapter of of First Kings. Then of First of Kings. Then you had. Uh, other kings that would come against insurmountable odds jehoshaphat came up against moab and ammon and he kept saying he prayed a prayer and said lord help us we cannot win with so great an army against us and the and the bible says the battle belongs to the lord you just trust god he's going to take care of these people and Jehoshaphat was a righteous king being obedient. So this applied to him that you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways. And that happened. You had Asa, another king. Asa. And Asa had a half a million men in his army, but he went up against a million Ethiopians in that 14th chapter of Second Chronicles. Against a million of them. And, they, and the Ethiopians had 300 chariots of iron. Iron chariots meant they had these wheels on the side of the chariot, had these scythes, these blades going out. Nobody could stand before 300 of those chariots. But Israel, they also beat those, beat those Ethiopians. That's what God says. Whenever you find I haven't really explained this real real definitive you you have to be keeping God's laws. And when you do that, your enemy will flee seven ways. When you quit serving God and you go after other gods, this will apply in reverse. Just like the last half of Deuteronomy 28 says. If you quit abiding by God's laws, God expresses that he'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. And the beast will be Babylon. The only reason Babylon can overthrow, can overthrow Israel it was because they were going after other gods. They were going after Baal, Grove, Shemosh, Molech, Shemosh, Molech. You find in Ezra, the ninth chapter, when, when Ezra came back from Babylon, came back to Israel, he found them worshiping all the gods of the Ammonites, Ammonites which is northern Jordan he found them worshipping all the gods of all the gods of uh, Moab that southern Jordan found them worshipping all the gods of the Hittites the Perizzites so what's going to happen they're going to lose their power going to lose their power to conquer their enemies they quit being the heavens and heavens heavens and horns meant powers there were four horns that came against Israel Babylon Persia Greece and Rome and and the fact that they didn't keep their commandments they could no longer go against their enemy one way and they would flee seven ways. Because at the last half of that 28 chapter says, if you're not obedient, I'll send famine by the heavens will be brass, there'll be no rain from heaven, and the earth will be iron. When you have, when you have no rain and the land dries up, it's like solid iron and then you'll have pestilence, disease of all kinds, and he makes the statement. D-I-S-E-A, I'll get it in a minute, D-I-S-E-A-S-E. D-I-S-E-A-S-E. He'll send disease, and along, and that would include polio, which was called infantile paralysis in the mid part of last century that's what President Roosevelt died from it was late named polio in the 50s but he died in the mid-40s and they called it infantile paralysis I remember when he died and it goes on to say that if you're disobedient your enemy will come against you one way and you'll flee seven ways you're no longer the heavens could no longer conquer your enemies and when you find that the, every one of the tribes of Israel was called a horn horn meant power there were individual armies each one of them when the ten northern tribes under Ahab started worshipping Baal and the grove and set up temples for him and God's blessing was no longer on Israel, God caused the Assyrians to come in and carry them away into captivity. What they did, what the ten northern tribes did, they were ten horns. So the ten horns upon the beast, upon Babylon, was the fact that Ahab had quit serving god and started serving the sun god and the tree goddess and that would be the ten horns of the beast they wasn't like the ten horns was a literal thing it was the ten powers of of ten powers of the northern ten tribes when ahab brings all of this heathenism into israel and later on that was brought into the church and renamed Christ mass so what we are what we're talking about I have this fellow writing wants to know about spiritual warfare you cannot win spiritually unless you're obedient to God serving him keeping his statutes and his commandments and his laws that's the only way you can win. No other way to win. And those 10 horns are not destroyed in the 7th chapter, 17th chapter of Revelation. The 10 horns join Christ in destroying the beast. 10 horns were a figurative words for power. And they had given that power away to Babylon. Now, people, this fellow wants to know about how do we have spiritual warfare. There's no such thing as the charismatics talking about spiritual warfare. They think, and they preach, there are spirits hovering out around out here in the air. That's insane. There are no spirits out in the air. the the word spirit has one meaning word spirit, holy spirit spirit of man is the word p-n-e-u-m-a every time you find it it's pneuma we get our word pneumonia from that pneumonia is a breathing disorder it's a pulmonary breathing problem That's what pneumonia is. That is the word spirit every time you find it. If it's Holy Spirit, holy, hagios, means pure. Hagios means it's a pure spirit of God. Pure. It may take me a while to get through this, but... So, spirit, there's no... Some people think that there are spirits kind of waving around out in the air here and going "Ooh, I'm looking to inhabit somebody's body Ooh, I've got Jim Brown okay uh, the demons got me there's no such thing as demons that was a superstition of the first century where we get the word demon if there's no such word as demon in the King James Bible it's always the word devil Always in the New Testament. And it'll either be one of two words Diabolos or it will be D A I M O N I O N. Demonion. Now I've taught on demons two or three hundred times. You can go online and look up my internet message on doctrines of devils uh, I preached on I used 1st uh, Timothy 4 and 1 as my theme verse through the whole thing in the latter time some shall depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines or didache instructions didache the word means instruction people say doctrine don't matter that's, that's idiocy <laughs> instructions of daemonion well daemonion comes from the root dio means to distribute fortunes now that's our problem right there That's our problem because the love of money is the root of all evil. Love of money—that's one word in the Greek. It is the word philagoria. P h i l a r g u r i a. It's a construction of two words. Philos and philos means an affection. It's a form of phileo. P-H-I-L-E-O. Two words in the Greek that have been mistranslated to one word, love, phileo, and agape. They're not the same word. Agape is a relationship that kings had for their subjects. He gave them laws, just like Deuteronomy 28, and they willingly walk in them. Well, love of money comes from philos and augury, A-U-G-U-R-Y. Philos means to have an affection, and augury means shine or silver. The only reason people want silver is to shine above other people. And the Bible says God it. Now, here's what your war is against. Your warfare is against you. There's two men in every one of us that are born again. The war is not between some spirits hovering out here going, Ooh, there's no such thing. It's so amazing. <laughs> I put out all these movies about vampires. You can actually look at vampire in the Hastings Encyclopedia. That's an ancient thing. It goes back to the ancient world. Bram Stoker didn't invent that at all when he came up with Dracula. That's uh, foolishness. It was said to be a demon, but it was one that would distribute fortunes. And by the way, it was a blood drinker, and that's what Roman Catholicism is. Isn't that amazing? What you're fighting, there's an outer man, Paul says, in every believer which serves the flesh. Here's your enemy, right here. The flesh. When a man is tempted, he's drawn away of his own flesh and enticed. That's your problem is you. But people don't wanna they wanna see it's some demon in a guy so he can fall down on the floor and wall and go Ugh, uh, yeah, yeah, and then then he can somebody go can over and say, Come out thou foul spirit. My favorite cartoon is over there on the wall. It's about some guy praying for vacuum cleaners and and uh, some of the Pentecostals do that. They'll go lay hands on a car if it's got carburetor problems and say, come out, foul spirit, be healed. I'd like to find one of them that ever said that that their car would start up after they healed it. It's just insanity. Well, this guy's got, got his hand on a vacuum cleaner in that cartoon and says, come out, thou foul spirit, be healed. And they say they can do that. Those people are funny. Anyway, you got an inner man that serves the flesh that's your enemy right there it's not some spirits hovering around and it's really not other people you're not supposed to be arguing and fighting with other people the bible says that the servants of God the servants of God do not strive now there's several words that have been translated into the word strive this word over in second Timothy, is the word machomai, M-A-C-H-O-M-A-I. Machomai is our word macho. Macho, it means to fight. The servant of God does not macho himself and fight anyone. The only thing he's fighting is himself that over man over that outer man over years when you first come to Christ you've got that that inner man is born into you that's Christ in you, the hope of glory Christ in you and he is insistent that you die you have to die this outer man has to die and it'll take God thirty forty fifty. Years of persecution, fire, trial. Fire, trial. And all kinds of problems in your life, tribulation. And one day you'll wake up and you'll say, I can't do this anymore. I've got to rely on God. And self will begin to die off. And these concentric circles here, I make them from time to time they're the fire and trial that you go to that burns out self pride you still got that man in you the bible tells us over in first john first john one and eight one and eight and first john three and nine that look like they contradict one another if you didn't know what Romans, the 7th chapter says. First John 3 and 9. These look contradictory, but they're not because you got these two men. If we say we have no sin, First John 1 and 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's all of us. That's every preacher in America. Every godly man is still wrestling with this outer man. And people say, well, he's a godly man and he don't. Look, I'm a man. I know how men think. I know what bothers me when I see some scantily clad woman. I have to turn my head away because that's, that looks too good to me. I don't need to be looking at that. Some woman with a plunging neckline at the grocery store? What for? Just to make the men men lust all over the store? What is wrong with you women when you dress like that? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Not because the men don't like it, because they do. You're getting exactly what you want. People say, well, they're asking for it. Well, let me tell you something that happens. When a woman dresses scantily, real short skirt, she's got a great body and a beautiful face. The man knows he's not going to get anywhere with her, but he might go down the road and attack some woman just because he saw this one over here and think, I can get my way with this one. It's I don't know how men think. Yeah, but he's a great world preacher and and he don't have those thoughts or feelings. Yes, he does if, if he's a man. The Bible says there's no temptation one man that taken one man, but says it's common to all men. All you have to do is own up to what's in your heart. Then you'll know who your enemy is. It's you. You're your worst enemy there's an old saying I am my worst enemy well that's exactly true you have to fight that guy If I'll tell you something that will really help you and as, an, as a guy of experience I can tell you this if you can get to be 81 years old like me you can get over most of that outer man that's your problem but you got to learn to own up to that when you're younger and fight it You have to agonize against it. Strive. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. You don't fight the world. The word is agonizomai. Agonizomai is our word agonize. And the agon was the arena where they would go and race the races and sweat and wrestle It means to wrestle and strive and fight. When the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, the first word fight is agon. And the second word is agonizomai. It's the verb. Agonize. Your enemy in spiritual warfare is you. Boy, we don't want to face that, do we? Not the Pentecostals, they want to say, well, some guy came here, he's got a demon. No, he doesn't. His problem is him. It's just like Jesus told the man in Mark, the first chapter, when he found a man that had an unclean spirit, Luke's account in Luke 4 said he had an unclean demon, daemonion. So they're the same thing. And the man starts defending himself, say, himself said, what have we, used plural, To do with thee. And the Bible says Jesus rebuked him. Auto. Self. Our word auto means self. It's masculine, gender, singular. The word ending makes it that way. It's our word auto and automobile is self-mobile. Your problem is self. That's all there is to it. As an old man, I can tell you that's the truth. Boy, did I ever wrestle with Jim Brown. He gave me more problems than anybody has ever given me. I was trying to run with the wrong people and climb the wrong ladder most of my life. And so have you. If it's common to me, it's common to you. And all I got to do to know what's in the hearts of every man is own up to my own heart. That's all. Confess it. Agree with God that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That was my heart for so long. God opened up my heart, gave him a new heart, and, and fixed me. He's been fixing me for 81 years. So your problem is this outer man... And the inner man is spoken of in First John 3 and 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. But verse 8, 1 and 8 says, if we say we have no sin, that's the outer man. The inner man is perfect, that's Christ in you. If we say, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, the seed of Christ remains in him and he cannot sin. The outer man sins, the inner man can't. And the inner man is going to take over till he gets a vote from the outer man. And it takes at least two witnesses to cause a man to die. And God will get your vote. You may be 20, 30 years down the road, but who gets your vote? He'll put you through so much fire, so much trial, so much strife. You'll throw your hands up one day and say, I give up, Lord. What I've been doing, living my way, is not working you want to overcome your enemies faith is the victory that overcomes the world boy that is such a profound statement if you know what faith is and you know what victory is faith is death to self if you're believing somebody you quit believing yourself if you go to a math class to take algebra and you and you've never taken it before you got to die to yourself and your opinions. You can't go in there and say, well, I don't think that means that. Let me give you my opinion. The, the teacher's going to say, shut up. You're not the teacher. Here I am. Now, I want to talk to you about this outer man that we're in a fight with. It, in my case, it was me. Boy, I couldn't get over me. It kept... I just wanted all the sin in the world. I thought you were a good boy. I was when I was little. I went out and got gospel music and I became a real sinner. Man alive. I want to take you over here to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. 9 and... Well, I meant to go to another one. I was going to go to 10 and 4. Now, he says you're in a warfare. Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who plenteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? He's saying if you're going to be a farmer... Or a shepherd you're supposed to partake of that and he uses this to show that the preacher and he calls it a war that we're in a warfare the word warfare is strategy strategy s-t-r-e-t-e-u-o-m-a-i let me give you this we got our word strategy from that S T R A T E U O M A I. We got our word strategy. The word stratuma means to execute the apostolate. It means an army, body of troops, it comes from Stratuma, a body of troops or a soldier. From stratea means service, hardship, or danger, S-G-R-E-T-E-I-A. So we are in a war. It's a war when we fight we have to fight the flesh. Notice Paul never put down the people that were trying to kill him. He said this is all of God. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. When the people at Lister tried to kill him by stoning him and leave him for dead. He didn't blame them. He said, it's the will of God that I go through tribulation. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say in this same chapter, he says, For it is written in the law and he says, written, well, let me read the verse before it. Say, these things as a man, talking about partaking of the fruit of the field and the, of the flock when you're the shepherd or the farmer. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn, doth God not care for oxen? they would tread around and around in a circle and a lot of the corn would fall out there where they could eat of it and it said if he's going to tread the corn then you have to let the ox eat all he wants and he's talking about the preacher or saith he it altogether for our sakes for our sakes no doubt this is written that he that ploughs should plow and hope you're going to plow up a field and plant a crop You should hope to get something from the crop. That he that thresheth an oak should be partaker of his hope. Then he says, here I am a preacher. I'm preaching to you. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, I'm giving you the truth. And I'm giving it without charge. We give away all our DVDs without charge. We never ask for money. They're free. But you should feel wrong for taking it and not supporting the mouth of the man that's giving it to you. They don't give these lights for free. They don't give this building for free. We've got five full-time workers. We give away DVDs about 2000 to $2,500 worth every month free. Then he says... If we've sown in you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? Carnal is not an evil evil word. It's just the word sarkikos, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. It comes from the word sarks, which is the word flesh. Shouldn't we reap a harvest in order to be able to continue doing this? Grace and truth should reap from every one of you that watch. If you can give, you should. But I'm not going to ask you to give. I'm just telling you what your responsibility is. Then he goes on in this and says, If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather, nevertheless, even though I should be partaker of your offerings, That's between you and God, not between me and you. Nevertheless, we have not used this power. I could tell you that that's your responsibility. But suffer all things, allow, means to allow, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. I'm going to give the truth to you. It's between you and God if you give to this ministry. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar, which was the priest of God in the Old Testament over Numbers, the 18th chapter, they got the tenth. 18th chapters say they got a tenth. Are partakers with the altar? Even so, are the same way they were partakers of the altar. We're in a war. I'm fighting the flesh out there. I'm teaching you to fight the flesh. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they, the same way the priest received the tenth, there's a transfer here. They that preach the gospel should live of the gospel the same way the priest did. There's been a transfer. Hebrews, the seventh chapter, says that. Now, that's between you and God. Now, I'm talking about a war. I want to get this message to the world. I am never going to get a raise in salary. The more you give to this ministry, the more TV we're going to go on. That's the way it works. Now, let's let's go over here to the. Now, this is a favorite verse of the of the Charismatics over here. Second Corinthians ten. They like to give this to people and give them a hard time. Verse three, for though we walk, though we walk. In the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Well, we're not warring after the literal flesh with spears and helmets and and uh, swords. We have a sword, which is the word of God. It comes from our mouths. For the weapons of our warfare, stratia there's that word, stratia warfare, You want to know about spiritual warfare? It's, It's fighting the flesh that wants its way. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, carnal, but mighty. Boy, this is a tremendous statement. Here's the weapons of our war. But mighty through God to the pulling down kathesis k-a-t-h e-s-i-s k-a-t-h a-t-h a-e-s-i-s kathesis kathesis means to demolish demolition and here's what you're destroying when you're fighting the enemy it's going to be the same thing as self You'll never have a contradiction in the word of God. But mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. The word is akuroma. I-O-O-C-H-U-R-O-M-A. It means castles what castle do you think that we are fighting every city was called a castle castles were built just like cities they had these they had these these towers and they had parapets and they could fire arrows down and they'd drop these these uh, barrels full of molten lead or metal on the enemy that come to attack them. That was a castle. There's one castle that we are fighting. Babylon. Babylon was the mother, mother, the mater, Mater is the Greek word, or metro, and polis is the word people. Metropolis means the mother of the people. We get the word politic from polis. So the mother of the people was babbling. What we're battling is what she was founded on. What was she founded on in Genesis 11 and 4? Back over here in the beginning in Genesis. I always go from one end of the board to the other. If it's in the Old Testament at the beginning of it, I go back here. If it's in the middle of the Testament somewhere in Malachi or something, I go over here. And if you're over in the New Testament, I'll put Matthew in here and i have put Revelation over here. So you can kind of get the idea where it's located in the Bible. Revelation 17 and 5 was a castle. Every city was a castle. And the castle was Babylon that we are fighting with and wrestling with here. And she was built upon self. They said, Let us, Revelation 11, and 4, They found a plain in the land of Shinar. That's another name for the Babylonian lands over in what we call Iraq. Babylon was founded on the Euphrates River. Well, it's not working. Y'all didn't get it going there. Babylon was founded in a place called Iraq, on the Euphrates River, and she was built on the word, let us make us a name. That's everything that Babylon, that we're fighting, a stronghold, a castle, we're fighting Babylon. We're fighting her. She was founded on self. When she said, let us make us a name, let us make us a name, the word name is, it's the same word as the leader of the world at that time, Shem, the second born son of Noah. And shim means authority. They said, let us make up our own authority. That's what the Charismatics are doing. And that's what the Pharisees did when they came up with their Traditionary Law. And the Baptists are also coming up with that. They're adding to the Word of God things that are not there because they're too lazy to study what the definition is. I am sick Sick and tired. They use this right here to talk about imagination. Well, it's in this verse here. Let me give it to you. This is what they're saying. Pulling down their strongholds and imagination. Woo! Whoopee! And they start shouting and screaming. And they think they're speaking in tongues and that's adding to the Word of God. I'm either telling the truth or they're telling the truth. One of us is lying don't you understand that you can't lie and be right if you're lying you're breaking the laws of God and your enemy will come against you one way and you'll flee seven ways what is our enemy well right now it's coronavirus it's been polio people were terrified of polio in the early 50s I remember that I was young teenager they were terrified, scared to death in 50 and 51 and 52. And then Jonas Salk come up with a polio vaccine. They said, you can't go around these people. You have to stay away from them. You'll get it and you'll die. And now you've got coronavirus and you've had AIDS and you've had Ebola and God knows how many other diseases. You can't whip the God and you're... What you're fighting, you're fighting God's Word, which means you're fighting Him. Now, let me finish reading this. This next verse will tell you what they're doing. Casting, casting down imaginations, logismos, reasoning and thought. They're casting down L-O-G-I-S-M-O-S. They've come up with their own logos. It's a form of logos. And they're casting down the Word of God. They're casting out reasoning. Logismos means to reason. Reasoning thought or computation. They can't compute anything. They don't define nothing. The Charismatics don't know. There's no such thing as tongue. The Pentecostal tongues in the Bible, that's casting down by your imaginations. And notice what else it says. Casting down imaginations. They've imagined what they're going to do. I've got much to say about imagination. A man's imaginations are only evil from his youth up. He's imagined things. He thinks he knows and he knows nothing. He doesn't go by this text of scripture, by the definitions, by the culture, the customs, the idioms, the metaphors. And I can recommend a dozen books for you to get these idioms and metaphors of the first century out of. And every high thing that casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God they're actually against God's knowledge knowledge is the word gnosis it's our word know by learning well they don't learn and that's why they don't know anything They don't care what they do to destroy the truth. They take this and make something out of it. It's not. And then he says, when the Bible says, Israel, over in the book of Hosea, let me just give you this, because this is very important. They quote this all of the time. One of their favorite verses. Hosea, hold on here. Hosea 4 and 6. They quote this constantly. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They ignore what the word knowledge is. It means to know. It's a word yada. It means knowledge. It's equivalent to the New Testament word gnosis. It means the knowledge of the facts of God. They're destroyed. Did Israel have the knowledge of God? Yes. What did it mean they're destroyed for the lack of knowledge? They wouldn't do the knowledge of God. They wouldn't keep his laws and his commandments. It wasn't that they didn't know because thou hast rejected knowledge. They never get to that. And I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. And what happens? You go against your enemy one way, and you'll flee seven ways. You get all kinds of disease. You read that again, starting in that 15th verse of the 28th chapter. I'm not going to read it again. And I will also forget thy children, America. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. It's not that they didn't know. They refused to do the knowledge of God. Now, go back over here to 1 Corinthians. They're against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought, every noema, mind, N-O-E-M-A. you got to bring in every thought to the obedience of Christ. What did we have to obey? have to obey his word i thought we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves it's a gift of god not of works oh but the next verse says we are his workmanship created in christ jesus unto good works which god hath before ordained that we should walk in them we have to be obedient to god's word otherwise we're going to get we're going to get the sword the famine the pestilence and the beast and I think we've got the pestilence and the famine now. And we've got the sword all over the world. There are, there are dozens of wars going on in the world at this time. We've got Al-Qaeda and ISIS and, and Hezbollah and Hamas and all those terrorist groups over in the Middle East. You, What do you think that is? That's the judgment of God. And then he says, bringing every thought into obedience, having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. And then he says, do you look on the things after the outward appearance? Is that what you're looking for? If any man trust in himself to be Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Don't say, I'm of Christ, I'm a Christian, and you're pretending because you don't. You're The charismatics are acting. They've got Pentecostal tongues, faith healing. I'm saying it's a lie, and either they're telling the truth or I'm telling the truth. Tongues is glossa and dialectos. Glossa means foreign language. Dialectos means dialect. They had a different dialect of the common street language in every city, state, and they don't even know how to teach on that. It's their wild, vivid imagination that they're talking about. I'm just talking about wars. Look over here in First Timothy. First Timothy. The first chapter. First Timothy. First chapter, verse 18. This charge I committed to you, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by thou mightest war a good warfare, same word Strato my and Stratea. That's where it comes from. It means an army. We are an army. It reminds me of something else. I don't want to go there right now. Look over here in First Timothy and second Timothy. Second Timothy two and four. No man that warreth. Now, when you're at war, you've got a responsibility to stay at war with the flesh. That's your problem. It's not some demons or some spirit hovering in the air. That's people's imagination. They've invented that. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life why that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier in the army of God if you're a soldier how do you fight how do you dress as a soldier I'll give this to you I used to quote this in every one of my meetings when I was traveling as an evangelist Go over here to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Here's how you fight the flesh or fight self. Here's how you do it. Ephesians. Sixth chapter. Sixth chapter. What are you wearing to battle in the first century? What are you dressed in? You don't have those helmets like we had. They had had these guys that rode on horses that had shields, and they had spears and swords. Here's what the Bible says. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not your might. Put on the whole armor of God. The word armor is the word panoplia. P-A-N-O-P-L-I-A Panoplia comes from PAS means all, PAS and the word "hepo," hepo. it means a tool or the necessities of war and a sword and it's going to tell you what you put on to fight okay let's see what the armor is Put on the old arm of God that you may may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Against the palae. Palae means vibrations. However the devil vibrates to bring you down. The wiles of the diabolos. Diabolos is one of the words for devil it means to defame its people trying to stop you and put you down it's not a spirit out of here that's hovering through the air it's people who want to defame you it means to defame diabolos it means to defame or to in our words it would be to put you down to defame or to conjure up words against you so people will look down upon you. And here's what we wrestle with. We wrestle Palay. We vibrate. Not against flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood we're fighting unless it's our own fleshly desires. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. That's very important. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're wrestling against this is your spiritual warfare. You're fighting yourself. And God will make you give up one day and surrender. And say, Lord, I've tried to do things my way and I just can't seem to get it done. I give up. I surrender to you. Here's what you're fighting principalities. Powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Let me ask you something. What ruled the darkness? That goes all the way back to Genesis, the first chapter. The moon ruled the darkness. The moon worshipers were the Babylonians. Were the Babylonians. The tree goddess, the grove, was always represented. Asherah was the word grove means the upright goddess was always worshiped as the female deity or as the moon, the queen of heaven. Queen of heaven was the moon. Queen of heaven is the Mary of Roman Catholicism, queen of heaven. So moon worshippers, if you go over to the Middle East, the moon worshippers, they've got the crescent moon on all of their on all of their flags. You see it on the Turkish flag. You see it on all the flags of the Arabs. Because they worship the Lord moon. The word moon, one of the words for moon is the Leban. It means white. They worshipped the Lord Moon, and the Moon was one of their goddesses. One of the terms for the Moon was Mene, or M-E-N-I-Y, which means the numberer. And the the Moon numbered the seasons that's what it'll tell you in Genesis the first chapter number the seasons you have so many moons you have the moon changing all year long you have new moons in Israel that started on the first day of the month and they would have a new moon festival a new moon and they'd sound a trumpet at the beginning of the new moon every month Minay was a term meant the numberer, and that was is what Israel was said to be worshiping in that sixty uh, fifth chapter of Isaiah. Let me give this to you. Isaiah sixty five sixty five in verse eleven, speaking to Israel, who had re, who had quit serving God and worshiped these others, but you are they talking to Israel that forsake the Lord? They're not keeping His commandments anymore, so they're going to lose that. Forget my holy mountain, which is Zion. You, that's where the temple sat. That's where the law of God was. Zion means sunny or light. That's what it means. You forget my holy mountain that prepare a table for that troop. The word troop is the word Gad, one of the gods. Some people say our word God come from Gad. I don't know about that, but Gad was one of the gods. You pour our drink offerings to Gad, and furnish drink offerings unto that number, Mene, the moon. That's the Christmas tree. God help us, deliver us. So, Mene is the same thing we wrestle against the rulers of the darkness. The moon ruled the darkness. The sun ruled the day. And they adapted the moon. They said it was more pleasant than the sun. And the moon held a major adoration to the pagans in the ancient world above the sun. Now, that's the truth. Again, spiritual wickedness in high places. In the Old Testament the high places was official term if you had a city the hills outside the city were called the high places and that's where Israel kept their tree goddesses so this has more than just it has more than just a simple meaning It's referring back to Babylon. Let us make up our own name and it will be an addition to the word of God just like the Pharisees with their halakha. Most people don't study it that much. Against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, since you're fighting this warfare, spiritual warfare, against the moon worshipers which Constantine brought in the church and renamed the Christ Mass. You know what you're wrestling with? Christmas, Easter. You're you're wrestling with the mindset of an American people who think adding all this to the word of God is okay. If you add to the word of God you're going to be found to be a liar the Bible says. Whew. Then he says, You've got to put on this armor of God if you're going to fight. You talk about spiritual warfare. It ain't some spirits hovering around in the air. It's not some demon inside of a man. It's you. And then he says, Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand antistome, stand against. Means to stand anti, stand in opposition. And here's what your, here is the weapons of your warfare. This is what it takes to fight the good fight of faith. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. You want to know what you're spiritual warfare is first of all you need the truth if you have the truth truth is not saying I got a bible you're going to have to know what the truth is truth is the word aletheia a-l-e-t-h-e-i-a so this is part of your your armor armor of warfare. Truth, aletheia. Aletheia comes from the word lanthano, which means to hide. I've said this a thousand times, it means to hide or conceal. The Alpha first letter of the Greek alphabet in front of a word as a negative particle it's, it's called the alpha privative alpha privative and what it does it negates or gives a negative meaning to the word that follows it a negative it negates lanthano it means not to hide or conceal anything. You're going to have to define everything. I'm going to define every word in this book that I can. I had a fellow say, we will have to find words from now on. I said, well, I'm going to define them all the rest of my life. And then I'm going to die and leave it up to you to keep going, okay? So that's what, that's part of our warfare. That's what we start with. Everything that truth is, well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is truth. The Spirit is truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is the truth, but it's the truth in the Greek text, not in English, i keep saying it. the king james bible is not the inspired word of god the textus receptus is and we've got that you got to get you a strong exhaustive concordance and that's just the first grade and you got to get some good encyclopedias like the mcclinic and strong like the hastings and get a real good jewish writer like alfred edersheim He was a Jew. He lived in the 1800s, born in 1825, died in 1889. And he has left us in four magnificent books, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, The Temple, Its Ministry and Services, Sketches of the Jewish Social Life, and the History of Israel. He's left us wonderful idioms and metaphors and what they meant when they said something. I can take off on stuff he said. I don't have time to do that now. And he says, "And having on the breastplate of righteousness, what does the breastplate do? It protects you. The breastplate of righteousness. You have to go to war with the truth, and with a breastplate that protects you, righteousness." D I K A I O S U N E D K O S U N E is the word righteousness. It comes from the word D I K A I O O, which means to justify, and He has justified all that He's predestined, He's justified called, justified, and glorified justify means to render innocent you have to be innocent when you go to war and what makes you innocent We're justified by the blood of Christ by a blood baptism which is a death you have to have death to self when you go to war death to self and we get the word from dikaiosune dikaios with the word dk dk is the greek word right you have to have the right doctrine the right truth you can't have another truth another spirit paul said some will come preaching another spirit which would be another truth which is not the truth it's a lie now what's the next thing on the list everything that righteousness is everything that righteousness does it's right you got to live in right and then he says and your feet shod with a preparation preparation is a really interesting word and H-E-S-T-O-M-A-S-I-A. Remember the word Hestoimos? You remember where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained pro? Hestoimoso E-T-O-I-M-A-Z-O hetoiamadzo means to prepare proetoiamadzo means to prepare in advance hetoiamadzo is a form of hetoiamadzo and that's been done in advance before the foundation of the world God has prepared us with the preparation of the gospel of peace so here's your warfare the gospel is of peace peace is the word a-i-r-a-n-e a-r-a-n-e means to bring together together in one but you can't bring together when one, one unless somebody is completely right You can't gather together and people say, let's all get together, we're all in this together. No, we're not. I'm not in this with people that are vessels of wrath, fitted to destruction. I'm not going to hell with them. They advertise that all the time on TV. We're all in this together. Well, do you believe in predestination? Are you dying daily? Are you taking your cross daily? I'm only in it with you if you're willing to take a daily cross. My brothers and sisters are those who do the will of the Father. Just, we're not in this together. You're going to die and go to hell, and I'm not. If you're a vessel of wrath, you are. We're not in it with them. My brothers and sisters are those who do the will of the Father. I told Glenn the other day, Big black fellow, about this big and this tall, huge guy. One of my dearest friends, I said, You are my brother. And these people are saying we're in this together. No, me and you are in this together. And he was saying, That's why we moved here from Houston, because we love you, Jim. We love your teaching. I love Glenn. I love Sheldon. I love all the black people here at Grace and Truth that love truth. That's my brothers and sisters. It's not Dean and Janice if they don't believe these truths. It's them. And it's everybody else. It's Mike and Tom and, and the rest, Victor here. and It's the people who love the truth. That's my brothers and sisters. I don't care what color you are. If you believe God, you can be purple with yellow stripes. And if you believe the truth, you're my brother. And I'll start painting myself purple with yellow stripes. <laughs> so, the gospel of peace. What is the gospel? A-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. Evangelism. You It's it's It comes from E U. And A-G-G-E-L-O-S, it means well angel, well messenger. And that's the gospel, preach the gospel, is the word E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O, that's the word evangelize. You don't evangelize because the gospel is also it's the narrow way. So the gospel of peace is the narrow way that brings God's people together into one. And then straight is the gate narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it. Few find the narrow way. Narrow is the word thalibo, and thalibo means to crowd through a narrow opening and to be pressed on all sides. And that's what we are when we pray Tell people predestination's true, and Christmas is pagan, and they're crowd and people are pressuring us while we're in this narrow way and narrow. Thalibo is a form of the word thalipsis, and that is the word tribulation so when we're in when we have the gospel of peace what we have we have the tribulation way it's narrow it's a narrow hodos that's the word way all this has to do with the gospel and one other thing I, I got a dozens of other things about the Gospel, but the Gospel is also is the baptism. Baptism comes from two words, baptizo and bapto. Baptizo means to cover, and bapto means to stain with a dye, and that has nothing to do with water. Not H2O, where He's washed us for our sins in His own blood, and that's the gospel, and that's the gospel of peace, of bringing people together in one. And the Bible says, John came preaching the baptism of repentance as it was preached by the prophet Isaiah, and the baptism was, prepare you the way of the Lord. Prepare the way. Prepare the way the hodos there's only one way that leads to heaven it's the narrow tribulation way it is being baptized with the blood of christ and that's the doctrine of the gospel also in mark the first chapter the first three verses it's the gospel so when we have the gospel of peace the gospel of gathering together into one we have the gospel of of the narrow way. This causes us to gather together. We can only gather together. With God's people. I can't run with anybody. That doesn't believe in predestination. I can't be friends with them. I'll be cordial. I'll be polite to people. At the grocery store. But I want to go to their house. When they say I don't believe predestination. I say well then I won't be around. And I'll say I'll give you another word when I come back I don't want to hang around nobody that don't believe the truth I have nothing in common with them come out and be separate and touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you God said Paul said that in 2nd Corinthians the 6th chapter or the 4th chapter 6th chapter excuse me so prepare the way is the baptism that's why baptism is not water it's the narrow way and John wishes for guys that he would prosper and be in health and prosper is the word you it means the well way which is the narrow way between the two ways the broad way and the narrow way the broad way leads to destruction Notice how all of this comes together. So we we have our feet shod with the reparation of the gospel of coming together into one. And the only people that do that are the ones in the narrow way because that is the gospel. The Bible says that in Mark 1, 1-3, the beginning of the gospel is prepared to the way of the Lord. And then John put it this way, or Luke put it this way, John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which was prepared to the way of the Lord, which was the same thing in Mark 1, What Mark 1 and 1-3 the gospel equals and put it this way equals prepare the narrow way of the lord and the baptism in luke three and three the baptism equals prepare you the way of the lord which is the narrow way so the baptism and the gospel are equal so the gospel of peace is prepare you the way of the Lord. It's narrow, and that's the prosperity of God. It all adds up, doesn't it? How much time do I have, Mike? Eleven. I'm not going to get through this if I don't go on. I've got so many notes on this, I will not never get through it. It takes you a lifetime to teach through this. So he says, we've got through the this is your armor for a spiritual warfare. It's, and you're fighting yourself more than anything else. Above all, taking the shield of faith. What am I going to say about faith? Whoa. I don't even know how to even start on this. This is your armor, shield of faith. Everything that faith is, shield of faith. Shield of faith. I'll come back to that in a second. And the sword of the spirit. When you're going to war, you gotta take a sword. And what is the sword? word of God that's the same thing as the truth which is the word of God the word of God is quicker and sharper than any two edged sword and divides between the joints and marrows of a man and it will make his knees shake and then he says, the last thing, but I've got to come back to faith. Faith is everyth- everything that faith is. Faith is substance of things So far, It's a foundation. It's an under, sub, under, standing. And man doesn't understand. God's got to put the understanding in his heart. So if you understand faith is substance, and without faith it's impossible to please God, and if you understand you are a learner, disciple, which is which is the word mathetase. Mathetase means learner, and if you're learning you're a disciple because that's what it means and if you're a learner the Bible says without a cross you cannot be my disciple and a cross is death to self daily so faith faith is understanding faith is understanding and to understand you have to be learning and that takes a daily cross so you can say the shield of death to self daily cross daily dying that's what your weapons of warfare are, and the shield of faith and faith works the shield of working works by love. And love is agape. And that's walking in the commandments of God. That takes us back to Deuteronomy 28. If you walk in my commandments, you'll go against your enemy one way, and they'll flee seven ways, and that makes you the heavens. When there's new heavens and new earth. The old heaven and earth, which the old heavens were passed away. That was Israel, because they could whip anybody, as long as they obedient to God. But they weren't. Then God took away all their power, and the ten horns that gave their power away were the ten northern tribes. When Ahab married Jezebel and brought that fire and tree worship in, which was taken into the church and renamed Christmas. Isn't this crazy? Notice how all of this just, it blends like a synthesis. It comes together. Whew. And faith works by agape, and agape is walking in the commandments of God of 2 John 6. I can't even get away from these verses because they all fit together. Everything that faith is and faith does, I've got a paper here about faith and I got all these lists of things that faith does what you're fighting in a spiritual warfare it's not spirits out here in the air floating around that's that's outrageously ridiculous when they'll say that the Charismatics are well they're idiotes the English word is idiots Idiotes means unlearned. They're ignorant. And the reason they're ignorant is that they don't study. I got a paper on faith, everything it is and everything it does. But when you're talking about faith, you're talking about believe. Believe is the verb, faith is the noun. Same basic word pistus and pistuo. P-I-S-T-E-U-O and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and then he says and take the helmet of salvation salvation is the word soteria it's a form of the word sozo you can't go out with the armor of god unless you're a believer sozo is the word saved soteria is the salvation of people who are saved salvation is and saved are all wrapped up in that philippians 1 6 he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it all the way to the day of jesus christ saved means to be taken from one point to another point and that's the whole program of salvation and after you get all this you will know what the spiritual warfare is this is it what you're fighting is the flesh fleshly desires lusts I'll give you one other thing do I have any time Three minutes. I don't think I can get to this. It'll tell you over here in James what what you're warring against. James the <clears throat> James four and one. From whence come wars and fightings among you. Come they not hence even of your lusts. You're fighting your lust. The word there is not the common word, it's hedonne. A hedonistic person is the one that's involved in the most debaucherous, disgusting sin you can think of. And he said, That's where your war comes from, it's against you. That war in your members, you lust and have not, you kill and desire to have. He's talking to believers. It's because you want, you have, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, you have not because you ask not. Boy, I can't, don't have time to go into ask. I'll do that next week. Ask is a conditional word. You've got to keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. The only thing that pleases God is death to self. You can't ever be asking for yourself. And you can't ask for things and stuff. It's legal. Ask actually comes from the same word that Pilate used when he said, I find no fault in him. Ask is the word I tell. And fault is the word itema. Their forms, they're in the morphemes of words. I've got so much on this. i got to get into striving, contention. When you're talking about spiritual warfare, you're not talking about that goofy stuff the Charismatics and Pentecostals are talking about. That's their wild imagination. That's Superstition. It's a bunch of superstition. Just silliness. They, that, there was one preacher in, outside of Dallas who used to be big, famous, charismatic preacher. I think he lost it all. I hope he did. He said, one time he was in the pulpit, and they had 5,000 there that Sunday morning, and he saw uh, the devil over here, Lucifer, he called him, but Lucifer was actually Belshazzar. Saw Lucifer with a sword, and he saw him in a vision up here, and he saw Michael the archangel over here, and they came together, sounded like some stupid movie. I said, what? He said, they were clashing, you hear clank, 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 and he was going... Like he's drawing a sword, making that sound in a microphone. Somebody needed to hit that guy in the head. He used to be a real famous, charismatic Pentecostal wacky preacher. But that was his spiritual warfare—the devil fighting Michael the Archangel. Going clank, clank, clank. God help us and deliver us from those crazies. Um, am I out of time Yeah. well let's pray father thank you for truth thank you for your word Lord I don't even know what to ask you anymore just give us strength to continue help Lord just help us help the people here to learn what to do to how to live not looking at man at the outward appearance of anything, just I'm going to say the truth and live in truth regardless of the cost. We're going to give you praise for everything, fight our battles for us. I'm too tired to fight ever again, Lord. I don't ever want to fight anybody over anything. We'll give you praise in Christ's name, amen. amen. Boy, I didn't get through many of that, I just. Phew, I went, I wanted to. But lust is what we fight against. It seemed pretty thorough to me. Huh? It seemed pretty thorough to me. Well, <laughs> I've got a lot of more things to say. It, you can't ever get to the end of these things. You just keep building and building and building. I can't believe these charismatics say what they say they don't know the meaning of any words they just take a word and go, just go ape with it go crazy and I can't see how millions of people can be following them all over the world people are following them they give every nickel they can get a hold of for 25 or 30 years I've talked to people say my grandmother went broke giving them giving Kenneth Copeland her money she gave him everything she could, everything she bought, because they tell these poor people, "God will bless you a hundredfold." If God is responsible to give you back a hundred, a hundred dollars for every dollar you give. If I believe that, I'd just go take all my money out of the bank and send it to them. But do I believe them? No. Ah, uh, they buy Bentleys and diamond rings. I know they do. They got. There was a lady down here at the Safari Restaurant several years ago. She was a waitress. She said they all came in there one day from TVN, and they were dressed to the hilt, and they were all talking about their cars. One had a Bentley, another had a Rolls Royce, and they had. Mercedes and just disgusting. She That's all they talked about was their cars. I don't know why God lets them live. If I was God, I'd kill them all today (laughs) for lying about me if I were God. But you know what? He's probably going to put them all in hell And he's waiting and reserving them for that day. I don't see how any of them can be believers. They don't believe the Bible.